0: Welcome to Modern Food Thinking. This is your host, Chef Jerome Picca, along with co-host Rachel Lucas, owner of Fueling Strong. This show is brought to you by Spazio Rosso Interior Design, and here we present to you our unique perspectives on food as it relates to health and wellness. In this episode titled, Micronutrients, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, we talk about those nutrients essential to human health that are considerably different than the macronutrients in our previous episode. But let's do a brief overview before we get into the science, data, and essentials of micronutrients. Micronutrients are the vitamins and minerals that our bodies need in small quantities to keep our engines running. Some examples are vitamin C, D, the full class of vitamin uh, Bs. We also have the fat-soluble vitamins A, K, E, and D. Uh, Mineral examples include magnesium, manganese, iron, folate, copper, iodine, and zinc. Uh, there are many more micronutrients on the must-have list for healthy body function, but this brief example will at least give you an idea of where we're going. And I do want to point out before handing this over to Rachel that micronutrients are subdivided into four categories, which are water-soluble vitamins, fat-soluble vitamins, which I've already mentioned, micro minerals, and trace minerals. All of these nutri- micronutrients can be uh, obtained in sufficient amounts through a balanced intake of fruits, vegetables, nuts, berries, Grains and legumes.
1: Micronutrients do play an interesting role in our bodies. Their benefits um, are almost limitless as each one does something different for us. Micronutrients are vital to our health and well-being, just as Jerome stated. They can also play a big role in our cravings. Oftentimes, when you have a bizarre craving for something, it's actually your body's way of letting you know that something is missing. So I'm going to share some fun examples. When you have a craving for chocolate, you might need magnesium, which you can get from nuts, seeds, other legumes, and fruits. When you have a craving for salty foods, you might need chloride, which you can get from raw goat's milk, fish, unrefined sea salt. When you have cravings for bread or toast, you might be deficient in nitrogen, which you can get from high protein foods like fish, meat, nuts, and beans. When you have cravings for high-fat foods, you might need calcium, which you can get from uh, dark leafy greens, broccoli, kale, legumes, cheese, or sesame seeds. A couple more here. Cravings for cold drinks. You might need manganese, which you can get from walnuts, almonds, pecans, pineapple, or blueberries. When you have a craving for chewing ice, you might need iron, which you can get from meat, fish, poultry, uh, sea plants, greens, and black cherries. Now, I know these examples might seem all over the place. I share them, though, so that you can gather an understanding of some of the different places that we can get specific micronutrients, but also start to understand how much deficiency is can affect us now, Jerome. I'll hand it back to you to dive in to what some of these micronutrients do in our bodies.
0: Yeah, thanks, Rachel. That was really interesting information. So, jumping a little further into the role these micronutrients play in our body functions, here are a few of my talking points. Uh, calcium. This is necessary for proper structure uh, and function of bones and teeth, and calcium also assists in muscle function and blood vessel contraction which is an important consideration for athletes and uh, people who enjoy working out. Uh, Phosphorus, this plays an important role in bone and cell membrane structure. Magnesium, assists with over 300 enzyme reactions, including regulation of blood pressure. Sodium, this is an electrolyte that aids fluid balance and maintenance of blood pressure. This is something Rachel and I discussed in depth during our episode on salts. Chloride, often found in combination with sodium, it helps maintain uh, fluid balance and aids in the breakdown of foods. Just be careful about food labeling and types of chlorine. Uh, potassium. This is an electrolyte uh, closely related to sodium. It helps maintain fluid status in cells and helps with nerve transmission and muscle function. And it is sometimes mixed with low-sodium table salt to increase the saltiness flavor of regular salt. So I would advise caution in using low-sodium salts. And finally, sulfur. Sulfur. This is contained in every part of living tissue, and it contains the amino acids methionine and cysteine.
1: Great information, Jerome. I'd love to continue on with some uh, information on the roles that different vitamins play in our bodies. So We have vitamin A, which is involved in forming pigments in the eyes, synthesizing proteins, immune function, and wound healing, red blood cell development, bone health, Bone remodeling and growth and gene expression. And a note here on vitamin A: it is absorbed quickly but secreted slowly, so the chance of overconsuming can be high if you are supplementing this specific vitamin. So keep that in mind as uh, as listeners, you start to think about uh, maybe taking some different vitamin supplements, which we've talked about before. On to vitamin B. There are a ton of different B vitamins. I'm going to lump them all together here. They help with producing energy as a coenzyme, maintaining skin health, synthesizing cholesterol, metabolizing drugs, nervous and immune system function, protein development, and hormone balance. We have vitamin D that is involved in calcium absorption, immune system function, regulating blood pressure, and mood. Anyone who struggles with mood slumps in the winter, especially here in the New England area, will often blame a lack of vitamin D on their decreased mood. Vitamin E is involved in the immune system and inflammatory cell expression. And I will end on vitamin K, which is a cofactor in vitamin D absorption and also is involved in blood clotting and amino acid metabolism.
0: Excellent information for our listeners, Rachel. Um, our list is definitely not complete, but between your information and mine, I believe we have provided our listeners with a pretty good understanding of the role of micronutrients. And we now have a question from Karen in Albany, New York. And Karen is asking about multivitamins, which we have talked about before. Anyway, her question is, I've been taking a multivitamin every day for most of my life and wondering if this is a bad thing or am I doing the right thing by playing it safe? So, Karen, thank you for listening to our podcast and asking this important question. But the first thing to think about is that multivitamins are not target specific and they can lead to an overuse of certain macro and micronutrients. And we did cover multivitamins in a previous episode, as I mentioned. However, for this discussion, we are talking only about micronutrients and the small amounts of these mit- vitamins and minerals that your body requires for proper function. So if you are already obtaining, for example, enough vitamins from eating a balanced diet of plants, legumes, grains, and properly hydrating, you may not need a multivitamin. Uh, in 2018, the New York Academy of Sciences published an article on excess micronutrient intake and the toxic effects of upper limits in vulnerable populations. For example, excess intake of vitamin D may lead to hy- hyperphosphatemia cardiovascular disease, irreversible calcification of soft tissue, and demineralization of bones. Excess zinc absorption, for example, may lead to hypochromic anemia and a suppressed immune system. Calcium may lead to a higher risk for developing kidney stones, particularly among women. But I think you get the picture. Rachel and I both advocating eating a healthy, well-balanced diet of fresh fruits, vegetables, grains, nuts, and seeds And always, we say, consult with your doctor before taking any vitamin supplements. Uh, Rachel, what are your thoughts for Karen's question?
1: I am also not an advocate for a multivitamin for a lot of the same reasons. Uh, Chances are you don't actually need everything in that vitamin you're taking, and overconsumption of specific vitamins and minerals can do more harm than good, to your point, Jerome. Oftentimes, we also cannot absorb the volume of nutrients in a multivitamin anyways, so we end up peeing most of it out. Now, I think I'm beginning to sound like a broken record, but if you are eating a diet full of whole fruits and veggies of varying colors, you'll most likely get all the micronutrients you need without taking a pill. Not to mention, many vitamins and minerals require something as a cofactor for them to be best absorbed, and lucky for us, Mother Nature often has our real foods set up for maximum absorption of those micronutrients.
0: Yeah, that's actually a great point, Rachel, regarding the cofactor requirement. Uh, Trace elements uh, act as cofactors for the activation of certain enzymes. Our bodies need these trace elements to gain maximum metabolic function, and without them, Uh, We would lose, for example, the ability to create chemical reactions necessary for cell function, proper digestion of food, and transformation of chemical energy, to name just a few. And Rachel, you had mentioned in previous episodes the uh, need to properly chew our food to produce enzyme-rich saliva, and this is an example of of the first step in the digestive process. Certain vitamins act as coenzymes, meaning they play an active role in biochemical reactions, Now, this is important because an intermediary metabolic function is often required to ensure proper utilization of proteins and amino acids. Vitamin coenzymes, in other words, are helper agents or molecules that act as personal assistants to micronutrients in complex group transfer processes. Uh, They play a crucial role in maintaining proper vision, blood clotting, hormone production, and keeping collagen healthy for uh, just a few examples. And Karen, I hope this helps and didn't sound too confusing. I definitely recommend pulling up our podcast on vitamin and mineral supplements for more answers. Uh, I did want to mention a multi-country European study conducted by the Oxford uh, Academic Journal of Nutrition in 2006. And they sought to establish uh, a safe upper level of micronutrients and trace minerals. Basically what I mentioned at the start of this uh, episode. Uh, this is a very hard target to identify with pinpoint accuracy and for all the individuals in studies like these over many years, they keep coming back to the necessity of obtaining micronutrients from a balanced diet. To your point, Rachel, uh, the exception being hereditary or environmental factors that may, ins- may interfere uh, with consuming a varied diet or sometimes inhibitors that create malabsorption factors.
1: There are always exceptions. In an ideal world, we would all be able to get all the foods we need to eat a well-balanced diet. But studies have started to show that our food is actually less nutrient-dense today than it was even 50 years ago because of soil depletion. Modern intensive agricultural methods have stripped increasing amounts of nutrients from the soil where our food grows, and each generation of fast-growing, pest-resistant fruits and vegetables is truly less good for you than the one before. A study on this topic was done by Donald Davis and his team of researchers from the University of Texas at Austin's Department of Chemistry and Biochemistry and published uh, back in December of 2004 in the Journal of American College of nutrition so they studied the u.s department of agriculture nutritional data from both 1950 and 1999 they looked at 43 different fruits and vegetables finding reliable declines in the amount of protein calcium phosphorus iron vitamin b2 and vitamin c over the past 50 years davis and his colleagues chalked this up to declining um nutritional content due to genetic modifications and overused soil now that doesn't mean you need to take a multivitamin you could grow your own veggies and quality soil or support a small local farm that is doing the right things to keep their soil healthy now if you think you might have a mineral or vitamin deficiency i would advise first checking your diet are you eating fruits and veggies are you eating all pasta and toast are you somewhere in between if you can Always get your micronutrients from real food, and then you don't have to worry about, to Jerome's point, those upper limits or toxic levels of any of these vitamins, because chances of you overeating the foods is really low. And if you do need to supplement, find a practitioner to work with who can properly prescribe what you actually need.
0: Rachel, I'm so glad you brought up uh, nutrient deficient soil. I was afraid uh, we would not have time to at least bring this up, but here we are. Uh, We definitely don't have time to uh, discuss this amazing facet of our food system, but it is important. And I would go so far as to say it is probably the single most important step in our food cycle. Uh, I did post an article about soil, water, and sun being the most important ingredients for our food health. And this is a few years ago. Um, And there are a few great TED Talks also on this subject by John Crawford, uh, Tony Lovell, Graham Saeed, Karen Wynn, and and a few others. Uh, They're all worth listening to and reading about when you have some time.
1: Before we wrap up for today, I do want to bring up uh, a book suggestion for anyone who is curious about um, what's going on with our soil and small farms and how some of these small farms are working. And there's a great book uh, it's called The Omnivores Dilemma Dilemma by Michael Poland. And he goes to a small farm. This is just a portion of the book, but he goes to a small farm and he works with this farmer. And the farmer explains to him the idea behind crop rotation. Now, I've never worked on a farm. I've not been to many farms. So this was kind of a new idea to me. But what this farmer said is that nature works in our benefit if we let it work. So he, he described this beautiful process of having the cows on the land and then moving the cows to the next spot, letting the chickens come in, peck through the excrement, uh, and that process helps the soil. That's how we get the nutrients into the soil. So there is a way if we kind of come back to our roots, let the small farmers do their thing and get rid of this mass production of produce, we could find our way back to a much more nutrient-dense diet without a whole lot of extra work.
0: Yeah, that's a great book. And it's really, truly well written. Uh, I have it sitting on my shelf. I read it twice years ago. I picked it up and um, I really loved it. Thanks for bringing that up. Unfortunately for Rachel and I, our time for today's show is at an end. Uh, We hoped we helped shed some light on micronutrients for you and that uh, everybody listening learned something today. So listeners, we want to thank you for uh, listening to this episode of Modern Food Thinking with Jerome and Rachel and edited by Jeremy Nessel. Our next episode will air in two weeks. Please join us then. Uh, You can listen to this podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, through the free app for iOS and Android, or wherever you get your podcasts. To sign up for Rachel's private coaching sessions, visit her website at fueling-strong.com. To sign up for private group or general cooking classes with me, visit chef-jerome.com. This is Jerome Picka.
1: And this is Rachel Lucas.
0: From both of us, we hope you stay well, eat well, and be well.